4: Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, it's something for the weekend time, as we uh, get a broom and start to look through the rubble of uh, the Stephen Gerrard sacking as we uh, entertain Brentford at the weekend. Joining me to discuss the aftermath, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome back. Hello mate, how you doing? All good, I was away uh, visiting somebody when the Fulham game was on and uh, that was a tough watch, wasn't it? Grim. Absolutely, grim and you could tell straight away that that was pretty much it. I, yeah, there's no way they're going to let it's like feeding Gerard to the lions. If uh, if he was manager at Villa Park uh, against Brentford, because if he'd lost that game or drawn it, he you know the whole the whole Villa Park would have uh, lynched him. So uh, it had to be after the Fulham game. Yes, although it did make a mockery off the chant. You're getting sacked in the morning because didn't even last an hour, <laughs> hour did he? We <laughs> <laughs> didn't get to the morning. He didn't get to hear the cockerel. didn't even even get to the bus home (laughs) so uh, rapid but to be expected yeah that was the thing it was like the full game unbeaten run wasn't you know nobody took that seriously but if they'd beaten Chelsea and they could have and they should have and they did pretty much uh, did everything to do that and then undid all the good work uh, but also didn't put away the chances that would have changed the complex of things quite dramatically I mean they would have got that uh, confidence boost but I still don't think uh, it would have affected how Fulham just battered us? Well, Fulham were
0: excellent, weren't they? To be fair, and it's—I it's, it's, think um, we said in Match Club, you know, there's, there haven't been that many sides who've had a really good go at Villa this season. Yeah. Everyone's been quite respectful, and we—I we, think me and you had both thought
4: mm, I think Fulham might have a crack at us here, and they were—they were better than I thought they'd be. I had a feeling it was going to be. I, I said to the person I was watching, it is going to be probably three nil. But when the third one went in, I thought, hey, actually, I pro- might be wrong because it's potentially four uh. nil. <laughs> There's still enough time. When it went to two, I thought this could get really ugly here. And it kind of, you know, Fulham just sort of
0: coasted to the finishing line, didn't they, really?
4: But yeah, as, as you were alluding to, uh, we'd, we'd said that a lot of teams look at us on paper and they show us too, too much respect. And then they get to half time and they go, well, hang on a minute.
0: Fulham just went for it, didn't they, from the first whistle? It was yeah, impressive to watch. And they
4: believed, that was the thing. They had a load of belief, and Villa had none. Yeah, they had a plan, as you like to say, and they stuck to it. <laughs> And believed in it. As opposed to having no plan and having no belief in anything you're doing. And, you know, we I think I put a tweet out just referring to, you know, over the last few weeks, I've been watching shots go out for throw-ins. Crosses go out for throw-ins. Crosses (laughs) go out for throw-ins and goal kicks. (laughs) Throw-ins go out for for (laughs) (laughs) throw-ins. And I'm sorry, but you're getting paid millions A a year and you can't even fucking cross it properly. You can't even have a shot. I mean, all you're doing is like doing what Heskey did. (laughs) <laughs> and Martinez was taking kicks and they were going out for throw-ins and it's like, oh, I can't watch this shit. I'm sorry. I really can't waste my time watching this shit. Considering they put the prices up at every turn on everything. it's uh, It's an insult, really. And it just snaps Big you time. back because you play playing the, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to be ranting around saying Gerard out, Gerard out, because I haven't got any personal issues with him. I think, uh, you know, he's a strong enough character, decent enough chap, but it's just like you just let the league table do its job. And it, and it did. Big time. I mean the irony is that god knows how we're above somebody on more goals scored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean fucking el wolves what are you doing this season? But uh, yeah we were li- you know as close as you can get to the relegation zone and you know I'd heard as well as my own uh, conversations with Percy where he kind of gave you the uh, well we got to be in the mix uh, by the world cup starting. I knew that was a that was the Qatar trapdoor. That was probably where he was going to go if he didn't pick up uh, the odd win here and there. But then I'd heard if we drop in the bottom three, that's just going to trigger it. So uh, it was as good as bottom three, and and you know you, you just couldn't let him go for that Brentford game. It's just setting it. It'd be like the uh, Roman Colosseum, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's it just. It's you just, just th- don't want to build it to that toxic level, really. no.
0: And I think I, I think it's the writing's been on the wall for a while, hasn't it? It's slowly but surely, and it's built momentum. And then by half time of the Fulham game, you thought this is this. There's no way he's going to get out of this one. And by yeah. full time, you thought, well. It, <laughs> I think everyone thought well we're going to get the the statement tomorrow morning and in the end the owners came out and moved very quickly
4: and I I knew Gerard would take you know Gerard's situation would take care of itself but what what I found Uh, happening in that Fulham game. I just turned against the players. And it's the same with Smith. They didn't help Smith in the end. You know, five losses on the trot. You just think there's a big part of this is these players. Coutinho is a fraud, as my Barcelona friend said. I mean, you know, we were chatting earlier on today and he said, surprise! Yeah. People were kissing their art you know, all these tweets going, I can't believe I've woken up and we've got Philip Coutinho. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't, don't see this one playing out very well.
0: What if he was that good? There's no way Barca would have let him go, would they? Well, they'd not f- for that they'd money. They'd,
4: they'd have found a way. And if he was that good, he would Someone be else would have got him. <laughs> But also he would be uh, orchestrating us and we would be... Well and above where we are now. Bearing in mind, you do, you, do, you expected him to be motivated to play for his old friend Stevie. Well, that's what I think. Stevie and Purslow and everybody were banking on. They were thinking, you know, not only have we got this coup of getting Gerard in, big name, blah blah blah. We've also got Coutinho in. This is like we're fast tracking ourselves to glory here, and it's like actually you're all going up the wrong the wrong path there.
0: And now all of a sudden, if you're Lucas Digne and you're Kamara and Carlos, you're thinking, oh hang on a minute, (laughs) I could be playing in the Champions League right now. You look at that
4: bottom three, bottom four is just the Midlands teams. It's an embarrassment, really. I don't know what's happened there. But Forest, you would think they're more than likely going just because this 22 new player experiment's not working. But you're going to back Leicester to get the fuck out of there, potentially. I mean, Mm -hmm. they won again. They've stuck with Rodgers. I mean, as they should, really. It's their best bet. I mean, as Villa will find out, there's not many good managers out there who will dip down for a relegation battle who will see this as an opportunity rather than a risk to their reputation that's the big call at this moment and uh, Wolves I think they've still got enough of a team you know if they sort the manager out then uh, you know they've got the capabilities of uh, getting out there as well so uh, it's going to be tricky because Villa looked like a a beaten fighter really
0: yeah they just look like their confidence is on the floor and you're sort of thinking, well, whoever comes in, they've got a big job to do mentality-wise just to, just to sort of turn this round. Yeah. Unless you go into Brentford game and the players play with all the shackles off and they're freed from it. And if and if that is the case, I think that probably says a little bit about them as well.
4: Yeah, it's like, where the fuck were you? Exactly. Uh, Danks has got a bit of a uh, thankless task, uh, actually. Uh, really.
0: Well, I mean, the scouts chorus have all gone, haven't they now? So he's probably just got the guys who he knows
4: quite well anyway. You know, the Teflon, Don McPhee has managed to... Has managed to Aaron. So Aaron Danks, who's uh, well, he's but caretaken. He's, he's probably the only one left with any coaching experience. Mm. Uh, if you don't know who Danks uh, is, he uh, actually came under came in under Smith, didn't he? He was I meant to be sort of Richard O'Kelly's replacement, wasn't he? At the time, he was the assistant manager to Vincent Company at Andelekt. Uh, after kind of being more, he was kind of around England under twenty ones, wasn't he? After being uh, youth coach at the Blues and West Brom, I mean, he's from the area. He's, he's thirty seven into. Of experience and opportunity, just it's almost like playing football manager, isn't it? But in real life, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what he can do. But I mean, nobody's expecting anything from him, and uh, I don't think he's got any chance of getting a, getting the job, if you know what I mean, even no, if he a chance.
0: racks up results. I'd possibly but might be lucky to keep his current job as well.
4: Maybe uh, Austin McPhee will take over. God help us! He's he's, he's like a cockroach, isn't he? He's indestructible. God, get rid of him! Right. Uh, normally we start off with a villa minute, so uh, let's do that, shall we? We don't we don't need any watch sponsors this week because we know what time it is. It's Gerard being sacked time. <laughs> And frankly, with the way Villa have been playing, all the premium watch brands
0: are looking at you know big, big teams like Brentford.
4: <laughs> Nobody's sending us any uh, at, at this moment. It's, it's just too... Uh, don't
0: even reply to the emails, frankly.
4: There's too much uncertainty about Villa at the moment with this threat of relegation, uh, unlikeliness of any decent manager taking the risk. So uh, i tell you what, I'm just going to count in the background.
0: <laughs> right, you ready? I am ready begin. Despite going into the Chelsea game with a four-game unbeaten and and run, the sword of Damocles had been swinging above, above Gerrard's head. Unconvincing draws against 10-man Leeds and Lonely Forest hadn't inspired what little confidence the fan base had in Gerrard. CEO Christian Perslow had mentioned there had been no thought of the manager's position coming under threat, as talk of shiny new stands and crests masked the ugly reality on the pitch for Villa. A spirited first-half display against Chelsea briefly lifted the mood, with Villa squandering chances galore and gifting the opposition their customary goal. At 2-0, it was game over, though, as a familiar pattern re- emerged. Desperate subs, tactical ineptitude and apathy from the fans and players who sensed it was a matter of when and not if. The final nail in the coffin came by the Thames as Villa surrendered to Fulham in embarrassing fashion. Becoming the first Villa side to have a player sent off, give away a penalty and score an own goal in the same Premiership game. 3-0 it finished. A pathetic end as Messrs Seweris and Purslow walked out before the end, no surprise after just eight wins in 2022. Sword fell on Gerrard swiftly after the final whistle to end a painful year for the Clarence Booth faithful that brought little to no tangible progress. His coaching staff swiftly followed him out the door, with Aaron Danks due to take the side for the weekend game against Brentford, as Villa now looked to be very much in a relegation battle and in need of an inspirational
4: leader step forth wherever you are continual improvement yeah people uh hark on about this continual improvement and saying what does that even mean you know teams can't just continually improve all the time well i, I think it's just in continual improvement until we get to where we want to be or, or where we want to be in the medium term near to. well yeah the, the short term was basically eighth and seventh you know around that ballpark and then you re- and then you re then, don't you, you reevaluate that was the whole idea behind this continual improvement was to get to this next stage and then you re- reevaluate because the question was always going to be try to get into uh and I think personally said this uh, from, uh, you know, going back a couple of years now, get into that top eight or so, you know, potentially Europe. And then the next question is, right, the, in the re reevaluation re- is how we're going to break that top six cartel. That just seems so far away now. It's miles away, isn't it, now? When you're looking at those teams really pulling away, you look at the momentum someone
0: like New, uh, Newcastle have got, you look at what West Ham did last year, and even they didn't manage to crack it particularly. It's It's, it's big steps, you know that's a big glass ceiling that we're aware. you know our next glass
4: ceiling is can we crack the top 10 which is still feels a long way away at the moment and to be honest Newcastle haven't even really started yet they're, they're, they they uh, they're on the they? they're on the continual improvement path at the moment once they uh, they're, going, they're very steady aren't they once they make it and the football world at large then suddenly believes that they're uh, a big team about to pop I, you know, if they get into Europe in whatever fashion, then, you know, once the agents, et cetera, believe it, then it, they do have a plan to break that top six uh, cartel and it's uh, infinite amounts yeah. of cash, basically. Even compared to Man City, if they can spend it. Right, so uh, before we go on, I just want to... Uh give you another opportunity to uh, get down the pub and uh, drown your sorrows if you're a big Gerard fan or uh, drown your sorrows with the impending relegation battle on the horizon because this show is brought to you by Green King, your home of pub sport. With over 900 sports pubs across the country, Green King is where the fans go, showing every broadcast game for Aston Villa. So uh, head down to your nearest pub and you can enjoy every live sporting event from BT and Sky Sports on tap. Now, uh, when you get the Green King season ticket app... Basically, go to your Apple store or Android store and just put season ticket and it should come up. When you download it, you will receive a free drink when you register and also 10% off a great range of drinks an hour before, during, and after any match. And uh, once it's downloaded, if you also, uh, when registering, use the code MOMS, M O M S, all caps. As a listener of this show, you'll get an additional £5 off when you spend £15 on drinks. So uh, with that said, probably a good idea if there's like three or four of you or if you get some friends together, then you can actually trade rounds and and get a few free drinks in there. Also in the app, you can uh, put in your postcode and find out where the closest uh, Green King establishment is.
3: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank
4: you very much. We don't really need to talk about that Brentford game because the, the press conference or hasn't been one because we haven't got a manager.
0: Well, Aaron Danks did like it was. it. I think it was about two minutes, two minutes 45 Primer,
4: wasn't it? Basically an interview saying, and they always do this, it's, Oh, we need the fans, we need the fans behind us. Hey, well, if you need the fans so much how about not hiking up our ticket prices? How about not hiking up our shirt and kit prices? And then how about actually uh, putting on football and a reasonably robust organized team that we can get behind? You know, it's, it's, I hate this kind of patronizing spin on things like this. They send that poor young chap in to do the interviews and he's, loaded up the question how how important are the fans you know uh, what's he supposed to say to that please stop booing us fans aren't happy because this thing's a shit show and that's what needs to be sorted out it's now uh proud history bright future it's 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 tarnished like that hasn't it already the saviors so say that stupid banner says at the back of the hole yeah never make banners about owners just businessmen i mean they've done nothing wrong but no. you know ultimately they got a villa cheap and it was opportunity knocks and it's the the, pre- the pressure is on their guy personally you know he's, he's got to get this one
0: right or they they really are in trouble
4: yeah and lang as well because those yeah. two kind of work as a team uh in terms of building and recruitment because uh uh, when I've seen Purslow about in these situations, you know, whether it's like at uh, Under-21's game, you know, they're very much together, almost like scout, you know, they've got their own little scouting thing going on as well as the uh, the scouting mm. department throughout the club.
0: Yeah, and, and I, you just, they've kind of, there's been a couple of clangers dropped, haven't they, from a PR point of view, as you said, things like the kit, ticket prices, things like that. But when it comes down to it, a lot of the the goings on off the field, things like the new stadium, which is all very good and well and very ambitious and everyone's excited and new badges and all that stuff, but it masks what's been going wrong on the sporting side. And we know the sporting side is the core of your business. If you don't get that right, all the commercial stuff doesn't look after itself.
4: Yeah, I said to uh, Perslow, something I haven't mentioned yet, I said in terms of the players, this is sorry, a meeting when uh, we had a badge consultation thing and he actually came in. We didn't know beforehand he was coming. Uh, but once we got onto the, the bigger subject, you know, at large, uh, I said to him, uh, in terms of the players, I said, you know, we start the season off, we're obviously, you know, buying players for 20 million, 25 million. So it gives this sense of confidence around the place, and then you've got players in the uh, preseason interview saying, "Oh, Europe's the goal." Yeah, well, you know, seventh, eighth. I said, do, "Do you think there's complacency in the players? Do you think uh, that once you sign these, you know, X amount of players, and Coutinho comes in, they suddenly think they're going to finish in Europe rather than actually applying themselves?" And he said, no, no, I don't, there's no complacency here, blah, blah, blah. I think there is completely. You signed Coutinho. I think mm. everybody thinks the job's half done. And you look at how Fulham approached it and how Brentford are going to approach it. Some of the parts, us. aren't they, those teams? But it's an attitude as well. It's like they're there to fight from the start whistle because they don't have any entitlement. No. And that's what I, I felt with us. I mean, when, when we're in the championship, exactly the same thing. I've said it before, you know, you've got you've seen the, the DMs like Jack Grealish, telling somebody a thousand percent we're getting promoted in that first season just because we were buying you know we were spending money on the players and there's this complacency and, I, and that's what I was referring to this delusion that you, you will things will you know just work out for themselves and we will finish top eight because we bought the right players and uh you know we're we've got good owners blah 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 but no, you gotta you gotta graft it on the pitch that's why we're not grinding out results that's why we've always been uh, a soft touch
0: I, I'd I'd have to agree which is kind of strange really in terms of Gerard because that's actually, actually that's one thing you would expect his team to have wouldn't you Yeah. If if, if, um, if it's anything like Gerard the
4: player. Maybe there was friction with the players because I think there must have been. Because they didn't want to work hard and and he rubbed them up probably because he wanted more he wanted them to roll their sleeves up a bit more, shall we say.
0: There'll have been a bit of that and I think, you know, if he's telling you to do something and you're just thinking, Well, we can't do that and he continues to sort of drum home his message, I think eventually the message just dissipates, doesn't it? You just think you almost stop listening, you stop paying attention.
4: Well, you know, if you're making elementary mistakes, I mean, he's going to surely be pissed off about that and he's obviously Mm -hmm. going to tell you. So uh, this is the thing, Uh, who's in the wrong? Ultimately, Both obviously, <laughs> ultimately, a manager's got to man manages ranks. So if they're not doing, or if they're making mistakes, he's got to find the best way to get them to produce ultimately and uh,
2: mm-hmm.
4: iron out those mistakes. And if they're not good enough, obviously, get rid. I mean, mitigating circumstances. Obviously, uh, the the main players he bought in have been I mean, injured.
0: But you you kind of get the feeling Smith had it as well. You know when. When things aren't going for a manager, the injuries happen, the deflected goals like West Ham happen, the own goals, things like that, the red card against Fulham, things like that, they all go against you. Everything's going against Villa, but at some point, you just have to to use a Steve Bruceism. You have to roll your sleeves up and you have to fight your way through it, don't you? You either, you, either, you either show loads of quality or loads of fight, or ideally a bit of both, and Villa haven't showed either.
4: We will uh, save the main uh, chat about this situation uh, for the main show. Uh, something for the weekends, just a, a quick catch up, because there wasn't really an in-depth press conference r- regarding injuries. Uh, there's not really much we can like get into the Brentford game, and also it's it's completely we have no idea what Danks is going to do. I think it'll be reasonably conservative, and uh, there won't be too much deviation from the formation. It'd be great if he just went crazy, Samsung <laughs> captain, in and- front five. <laughs> He might just go for it. He might say to the players, listen, let's let's be really
0: positive in this one and let's sort of, you know, get the fans. And I think if the fans see a team that are like, well, do you know what? They gave it a bloody good go there. I, I don't think the fans will be able to argue with that walking away from the ground if you've had a had a right good go at a team that are you know, pretty bloody well drilled and believe in what they're doing.
4: But in terms of injuries, uh, Lucas Dean is uh, back in training, uh, the boots off. So I think he's slightly ahead of where they were expecting mm-hmm. him. Probably a couple of weeks away yeah you'd imagine Cash will
0: probably come back in I think they were trying to manage his workload weren't they with Fulham
4: yeah Archer I'm, I still don't know what's going on there because Pursley was telling us how he's how he would have had a lot more involvement because they're kind of managing a niggle and then you know suddenly he was out of the team and he's thinking well uh, you know that's that there's the injury and then it was suddenly an illness and then he was back uh, against Fulham But actually, it's, you know, people talk about Archer, but ultimately, Ings and Watkins should be doing the job, Uh, really. it's not, Or ideally uh, one of them. Yeah, it's not as if Archer, you know, it's Archer's niggle that's cost us uh, this season so far. No. Archer's role in this was just like if he was going to come on, if he was going to get a bit more time to actually come on in his career, if he was going to get on the pitch and, uh, you know, pop one or two in and we suddenly see him developing faster he wasn't really going to help us in terms of a team uh, particularly achieve anything it was more about his own development yeah i'd agree with that right in terms of uh who's next for the villa hot seat we'll talk more about that in the next episode but it is uh it's a precarious one because to get the top top names it's not that many about but are they really going to risk their reputation or, or would they prefer to uh, just wait for the uh, revolving door that inevitably comes around for a, like a top European Champions League uh, playing team where you're not really risking your reputation because sometimes you get sacked just because you haven't won the league by enough points. Or, something or like they just that. want to get their guy in. Yeah, exactly. So you don't really lose your kudos, but we know what happens to Villa managers. I mean, bar... <laughs> If you take it from Ron, Ron Saunders, who went on to the Blues uh, after winning the league for, with Villa and, you know, Cups, etc. Only Graham Taylor, who went on to what was essentially a poison chalice in the end to be the mm. England manager, have really gone on to better things. So uh, I think everybody would be very wary. And it's not a case of, uh, oh yeah, they'll come for the money because they'll get decent money anywhere. I mean, we're talking about multi-millionaires anyway. So you don't want to go through a load of shit when you can get a few million at more of a, let's say, a cushy level and, and be involved in Champions League football. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, comes out in the wash.
0: And if Villa have a proper recruitment process this time, you know, actually, you, know, you you kind of want it to come out that they have interviewed quite a few people and they've tried to pick the right guy rather than go Gerard's the guy and we're going with that one.
4: Yeah, but I don't see a, a big list of people to interview for this job, to be honest. No. And I don't know how far down the line, you know, people assume that people do due diligence oh they're not going to get rid of gerald until i've started speaking and have somebody lined up from speaking to perso obviously he's going to straight bat it and say uh, oh i haven't even thought about it well yes you would have but i think i mean there's other things going on in personally in his life at that time and also you're in a four game unbeaten run so you're thinking actually you know potentially turning around as you said he said saints potential turnaround so positive mindset they wouldn't have been too uh, deep in searching around. And uh, obviously the Fulham and Chelsea game came very quickly within a week of each other. Mm. And I did say to him that if that Chelsea game, it, we get beat, that whole unbeaten run goes up like a Chinese lantern and then suddenly you've got nothing to cling to. You'll find yourself in a completely different situation very, very quickly. And they did. And I think that's what's happened. So, And just finally, if you took over, let's say you, You took over tomorrow. You've got a few games, but they're they're, the hard games. You know, Manchester United twice, Newcastle away, Brighton as well. And if as a new manager, you don't really want to be racking up a few losses straight away and then having your six weeks of uh, getting to know the team drawing up your shortlist for the January window which comes straight after the World Cup because you start when the season starts again and you've got a bit of a blemished record if you've got like, th- you know, say four losses say you haven't won before uh, that World Cup break, well, if you take over when the World Cup's on and you've got your six weeks of like, you know, doing your due diligence on the squad and research then you actually start the se- you know the season when it starts again on a fresh slate, so I can see the attraction of that, so I don't know if We'll necessarily have a new person in next week, for example.
0: We'll see. We'll see how ambitious they are. We'll see how aggressive they are in the in the market. Yeah, but I'm saying from a manager's point of view... that uh... Yeah, it's a difficult one. Any, any manager worth their salt is probably
4: going to want to make a... They're not going to want to rush into something. Yeah, and there is that kind of uh, quagmire of difficult games which will, straight away, if you lose them, then you're already, uh, you know... There's a bit of apathy from fans straight mm-hmm. away when you return, as opposed to. Uh, but then again, you know it's uh, it's because of the World Cup. If there was no World Cup, then it's there's no bad time. You just come in, don't you? Because mm-hmm. it's all part of the same thing. Yeah, but that break gives you a chance to. It's a hard reset, isn't it? It's a kind of a hard reset. And a chance to really prep, you know, you can say, this is not the reset we are
0: at going into Boxing Day, knowing a couple of weeks later you're in the January market and you can say, this is what we're going to do over the next few weeks. You can do all your groundwork with agents and players, etc. A bit like what they did last year in the summer, which it just hasn't come off because the players have been injured.
4: Yeah, anyway, we shall see. Pray for us.
3: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.